0: Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more, ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more, got each other on our side, plus all the folks at Fried the Burnout Podcast, with Kate Donovan. Hello, Fried fans, and welcome to season three of Fried the Burnout Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Donovan, and my mission with Fried is to hashtag end burnout culture. On this pod, we end burnout culture by sharing stories of people who have been through it all and lived to tell the tale, sharing expert tips from the best of the best in the burnout and stress management fields, and sharing hashtag straight from Kate episodes full of my own expertise plus actionable steps to help you end your own burnout cycle starting today. If you're feeling burnt out right now and need more personalized guidance, I'm here for you. In every episode, you'll find a link to book a free breakthrough burnout call. You can find it easily by heading to bit.ly forward slash call Kate or finding the link in the show notes. This free call helps us decide if one-on-one coaching is perfect for you. If it is, we'll get started. If it isn't, I might suggest one of my immediately available online courses, my book, The Bounce Back Ability Factor, or some sessions with a colleague who's better suited to exactly what you need right now. Also. If you happen to be in New York City, I'd love to see you as a patient. I'm a licensed acupuncturist with over 13 years of international experience, and right now my office is located in Midtown Manhattan. I focus on, you guessed it, burnout. I help your body build up a natural stress resilience to fight off all those pesky symptoms that come alongside burnout. You can find all the deets on that at katedonovanacupuncture.com hello fried fans i am fangirling at the moment because i have been following today's guest for quite some time and silently behind the scenes obsessing about her work. Shante Javon Taylor is a neuroscientist, success trainer, author, and social entrepreneur who is igniting minds and hearts around the world through coaching, training, and speaking. The mind and brain are the keys to our ultimate fulfillment, creativity, productivity, focus, happiness, success, and humanity. The ability to get out of our comfort zones to pursue new adventures, professions, and entrepreneurial heights is 90% brain management. And the rest is learning new skills, taking action, and being held accountable. Shantae has shared the stage with success expert Jack Canfield, transformed minds at TEDx, and is part of the Forbes Coaching Council. Her 07 mission to guide ambitious people to harness their brain power to reach their full potential in life, profession, and business. Shantae. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you.
1: Absolutely. Every time someone reads my bio, I get inspired. I'm like, wow, that's me. And yes, yes. (laughs) Let's change brains and get to this next level of our humanity. I never get used to that hearing about what I do to me. It's, it's so much bigger than me.
0: Yeah. I feel that. And I feel that with my work, as well. I had somebody reach out to me recently and said, Oh, well, if you could just send over your bio, that would be great. And I said, sure. No problem. And I sent it. She went, wow, you've done a lot. I said, Well, I've been doing this a while and it adds up, you know, it adds up, but it doesn't feel each one of those pieces doesn't feel as impactful as all the pieces when you read them together and you're like, wow. Okay. It's yes. a moment, taking that moment of pride and appreciation for what you've created so far. It's so important to have, it's good for the brain also, we'll get into that in a second, good for the brain mm-hmm. to have that positive feedback of like, wow, look at this. You did, you did this.
1: Yeah. So cool. We don't reflect enough.
0: No, no, not on our accomplishments. Right.
1: Right. Right in this busy life and, to, and goal achieving life.
0: <laughs> yeah. At the end of all of my online programs, I have like a bonus section. That's mm-hmm. about, I use an exercise called the mountain of pride that I made up and I give them an outline of a mountain. And I say, I want you to fill in everything that you learned over the past couple of weeks, whether it was in this program or whether it was part of something else that you learned in your life, just fill it in so that you can look at a whole paper say, this is, you know, a couple weeks of my life, eight weeks at the most, like this is two months of my life I did all of this. So that people can really take a moment to allow the information that they gathered to really sink into their body and to give themselves the pat on the back that they need.
1: Absolutely, especially when we're inundated with the things we should be and do and what we should know and our brains tend to focus on more of the negative. (laughs) where our our baseline is so you know sometimes we could be hard on ourselves so that is I think a crucial um, strategy that self-reflection and honoring you know what we've been through and not just our accomplishments but the journey to get there yeah Yeah. right the process and the the skills that we had to accumulate and um you know our growth yeah to honor that
0: yeah and it's can be such a challenging thing for people to do. So listen, everybody, the mountain of pride exercise is really simple. I literally downloaded the outline of a mountain and put it on a PDF.
1: <laughs> I love that. I Fill might it steal it that, steal it,
0: I will send you the PDF and you can see, I'll send you the pre-made PDF and you can have it. It's such a simple exercise, but it's so important. I encourage people to use like stickers and colors and whatever it is they need to sort of really enhance their experience of, of themselves. You know, I think it's really important. But anyway, that's a whole nother subject. We always start Friday the Burnout podcast with your version of a burnout story that happened in your life. Big, small, doesn't matter. I know you wrote on your website about a mental burnout. So if you wanted to touch on that for a minute and give people a taste of what you experienced, I think that would be helpful.
1: Absolutely. So I am a neuroscientist by training um, over 20 years of research um, in uh, dementia, um, PTSD, Alzheimer's, brain injuries. Um, Now in this part of my journey, I am a neuroscientist and success strategist for coaches, leaders and people in business so you know obviously i didn't start out this way so my background is through understanding the brain through what's wrong with the brain right (laughs) um that's how i learned it um i had a turning point in my journey of um you know going through grad school and working in different um areas like education Um, I was a high school teacher, biology teacher for two years. We know there's (laughs) burnout there. (laughs) I was in, you know, the clinical research realm, burnout there. um, And I was in government, burnout there. And then you add, uh, you know, learning, uh, you know, earning my master's, my PhD and going through externships, Um, you know, graduate students tend to kind of soften or, say this is how it's supposed to be i'm supposed to not have sleep i'm supposed to be up all night (laughs) i'm supposed to i'm supposed to work you know um hours on end for my supervisors We, we justify it in our head um for being burnt out and so i i was like everybody else you know um as a grad student um working um you know doing my schoolwork and doing my research and staying up late but on top of that i also had a family you know I was I was a wife still a wife three kids and they were younger back then so they need more of your time and attention so I am balancing working in government being a mom of you know t- uh, elementary school kids and a teenager <laughs> at the time and then I'm a wife so just imagine me just giving away all my time and attention to all my goals and everybody else and guess who comes in last me So uh, finally, my brain had enough. So it literally shut down. Um, I crashed into a pole in an empty parking lot with two of my children who were like three and five at the time. And, you know, my brain just kind of just shut off. And I can hear my kids crying in the back. And I was in a moment of darkness, kind of in that unconscious state, like a susp- I can't even really explain it. I, I just remember my higher self saying, you have got to do something different. And so we were all okay that, that day. Thank goodness nobody else was hurt. The car was totaled. <laughs> But um, from that day forward, I just start. I had a shift. It was like a shock to my system, a shock to my brain. And I was, and I decided I'm going to start doing things different. And didn't it didn't occur overnight. It never does. <laughs> it never occurs overnight. But I started making certain changes. I started questioning, is this, what can I do differently to make sure I don't feel burnt out anymore, tired, worn out? How can I never be in this situation? again, because we got to think about other people. I mean, I literally have my kids in the car when my brain shut down. Somebody else could have been in that parking lot. So we're not only responsible for ourselves, making sure that our brains are taken care of, we're responsible for other people. So we have to make sure that we are in our best mental states so that you know we're looking after each other as you know these these human connections and human experiences so what i started to do was first of all i changed my job i changed my the trajectory of becoming a clinical neuropsychologist i said this is not for me because it just didn't fuel me i just felt like i would be on even after grad school i i looked at you know my supervisor and how they did their medical insurances and they were working on the weekends. They didn't look like they were having the best life. And I said, I don't know if I can do this. So I knew that was a huge part of my stress. And thankfully, I was aware enough to say, and courageous enough to say, I can do something different with neuroscience. Because a lot of times, especially Gen Xers, I can't really speak for every other generation, we kind of have followed the status quo. We we get the degrees, we start the family, get the mortgage, and all you know, and we don't deviate from the path even if we're unhappy, even if we're stressed. So it takes a lot for Gen Xers, <laughs> those born between sixty five and uh, nineteen sixty five and eighty two ish, um, to do something more boldly and different with their their education. Okay, because they're gonna we're afraid of. Um, disappointing a lot of people, right? So that's stressful to think. Oh gosh, judgment, criticism. What are my parents going to say? What's my spouse going to say, right? So I had to deal with all of that. But in the end, I decided I am going to use this knowledge in a more empowering way, which is to help people who are at a you know a normal baseline in their psychology and their mental state, um, and help people to take their take care of their brains better. Um, In order to reach the next level of their human potential, of their profession, of their decision making, of their parenting, of their leadership, of their coaching. Because the the brain is the central organ of everything we do and everything we don't do. And so it starts there. Change and growth starts in the brain. So does stress. (laughs) So does burnout, right? Um, So there's a lot of things that we can control. Um, But we have to identify what do we need to change what what changes do we need to make in order to take care of our brains better. um, So that we can show up in the most powerful way possible. And I just, I always, I do reflect a lot on the fact that I'm so glad I'm in the business of the brain, you know, especially now when the, the world challenges you know, these global challenges. is affecting everybody. It has shaken up everybody's lives. And it's so important to have, um, to have built up a resilient brain, <laughs> right? So that you're not stacking all of these other stressors that have, you know, um, affected all of us. Um, so I teach a lot about on um, re- um, building a resilient brain Um, in times of chaos and even before chaos, right? Because the time to have the map is before you enter the woods. (laughs) And it takes time to build a a resilient brain um, so that you can still navigate effectively no matter what the world, you know, throws your way. Um, So that's what I do now. I love that
0: so much. And I think that it's really important to stop for a second and talk about the fact that this is a practice building resilient brain is a practice that is a continuous thing that you've got to do all the time it's not you learned to ride a bike and you'll remember 18 years later this is something that you've got to keep up all the time so right now there's a lot going on in the world like you said this year has been overwhelming in a million different ways for a lot of people which means that everybody's in a state to be more triggered right everybody's being pulled left and right and up in town fried fam i tell you in nearly every episode that step one of your burnout recovery is blood work and i know that a lot of you avoid it because it's a pain and because your doctor has told you that everything is quote-unquote fine and they refuse to test all the things that you think you need what if I told you that you could test what you want, when you want, from your home with just a couple of drops of blood? SciFox Health allows you to do just that. You can buy tests as one-offs or join a membership. Either way, you can test and track your results to help you make decisions about your burnout recovery journey. Get 10% off any membership, subscription, or one-time test kit right now. Go to SciFoxHealth.com forward slash fried for your discount. That's S-I-P-H-O-X health.com forward slash fried. And people keep asking me how I'm going to handle the election and I keep saying like I mean <laughs>
1: yeah that's one of those things that where it's you do what's in your control yeah right so voting is in your control yeah how much information you take in online is in your control how much you argue with somebody online is in your control the tone and energy and emotional home you have um, is in your control um so the brain loves certainty yes and we're and we there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. But what are the things that we can do individually to maintain some of that certainty um, in our brains, so that our our fear brain, our threat brain doesn't go awry? So there's a lot of things that we can do to keep you know that amygdala, um, that threat brain um, at bay, um, so that whatever the results are. <laughs> You know, we, we have a, a strong um, baseline to work from, right? Yeah. Um, but if we if we have trained our brains to be in the stressful state, um, we're going to get more, it's going to be amplified. Yeah. Right?
0: Yes. And I think this is what I'm seeing the most right now is that I've spent years working on the resilience of my own brain and body. I, I, don't, I, I don't and cannot, with my Chinese medicine background, separate the brain and body the communication is just too fast for me to separate it. Mm, <laughs> but yeah. I've been working on that for so long that people pose that question to me and I stop and I think, well, I'm going to do the same things that I've been doing, trying to make the differences that I can make in my world with the um, small amount of control that I have. And and that's, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. And so, but it is this amazing... It's been amazing to watch the unfolding of this year and watch people's brains slowly sort of fall apart to the point where they're saying, I literally don't know what to do or think anymore. I was not prepared for this. And we kind of have to put people back together again, like, you know, Wizard of Oz. Who needed the brain? The scarecrow? Do you know?
1: I think so. (laughs) Right? I think you're on the right track.
0: (laughs) I think it's the scarecrow, right? Because the lion needed the heart. I think it was the scarecrow needed a brain. And I feel like right now, a lot of people would gladly walk down the yellow brick road and collect a brain because the one that they have is just so overwhelmed. So one of the reasons that I've been wanting to talk to you is because I'm a sucker for research. And so when I realized that burnout was what was happening in my life a few years ago, I, my husband was doing a postgraduate degree at Cambridge at the time. So I had access to their library system. Mm -hmm. So I read every bit of research that's available on burnout. It took me about a year. Mm. And one of the most interesting pieces of information that I found was that the prefrontal cortex shrinks under long-term stress and it doesn't have to be intense stress, and there doesn't have to be a major traumatic factor beforehand. It can be a lot of like mini traumas, little T traumas along the way. It doesn't have to be a big T trauma, and it doesn't have to be anything super major happening in your life. It can be something that's just small but constant. And so the prefrontal cortex shrinks, mm-hmm, of course, minimally, that we're not talking inches here, people. Mm -hmm. And also the limbic system is overactive. That's correct. Right. Mm -hmm. So I talk about this on the podcast a lot, but I would like people to hear it from the expert's mouth. (laughs) What exactly (laughs) does that mean? And what does that mean for burnout recovery?
1: Oh, this is, um, it it can be complex, (laughs) but there's no need for it to be as complex. Um, everyone has a brain, everybody should be taught how to use it and manage it. Okay. (laughs) This should be in every classroom, um, in every year, um, of our lives. Okay. So yes, the prefrontal cortex, um, I call it the CEO of the brain. I I call it the adulting portion. The adulting pro- pro- portion, it's its essentially the most modern part of our brain. It, it's what separates us from our animal brothers and sisters, because this is where we have that higher fun- cognitive functioning, those executive functioning, um, willpower, decision making, warding off um, Uh, distractions so that we can be focused and attentive. It manages our lower parts of the brain, the emotional brain or the limbic system and uh, the brainstem so that they don't take over and get, um, uh, dominate the situation. Um, It's, it's responsible for our morale, how we make, decisions on morality, and um, is responsible for our willpower. You know, do I eat 10 slices of pizza or do I eat just two with the salad? Okay, <laughs> so just imagine not having that control um, or your prefrontal cortex or your CEO or your adulting brain, I love using different terms for the same thing, um, uh, doesn't function optimally. Right. Right? just think about it not being in control of all those other parts that um, are basically ancient wiring, right? So they have, they're very powerful, (laughs) but do we really want to act like we're running from a bear every day and respond at that level? So your prefrontal cortex allows you to realize that you are not running from a bear. You know, someone just honked at you. Right (laughs) on the road and it's okay. You know, maybe they're having a bad day. So it allows you to um, make logistic conclusions so that you don't, you know, go off the deep end. So it's so important to take care of our prefrontal cortices, right? Um, So you said a key word, you saw, you talked about constant stress. I mean, stress is important for daily life. We need stress. We need adrenaline. If we did not have stress and adrenaline uh, increasing in the morning time when we awaken, we would be lazy. We would be unmotivated. We wouldn't be, we wouldn't do anything. There would be no need to survive because our brains are telling us, there's no need to get up and do anything for your survival. So a little bit of stress, a little bit of adrenaline is natural, or to our and it's important for our survival, but too much stress, chronic stress disrupts so many chemical processes um, in our brain. So we have about 80 to 100 billion brain cells, and each of those brain cells connects to 1 to 10,000 other brain cells, right? And they're talking to each other fast, right? 200 miles per hour, they use up a lot of energy, a third of the body's energy. So all the third of the food you eat, the third of the oxygen you consume, all is being utilized by your brain, and the prefrontal cortex, okay, uses up the most of that thirty <laughs> percent. So it can get pretty fatigued and tired fast. Um, and we—that's probably a whole different conversation. But stress decreases the effectiveness defect, effectiveness of your prefrontal cortex functioning. Okay, so it kind of, it's kind of like a catalyst that, you know, gets you to fatigue faster if you're under chronic stress. It it literally um, decreases the neurotransmitters um, that are able to, you know, allow your brain cells to talk to each other at 200 miles per hour. Um, It disintegrates the um, the integrity of the neurons. Um, So it's kind of like having, you know, I would say if you had leaky faucets all over your your house and you try to take a shower and it just trickled down it, you wouldn't have you wouldn't get clean right <laughs> so um you want your neurons to be as strong as possible and especially in the prefrontal cortex okay so i do so i think it's important for people just to have a i'm sure you talked about it before but just think of the brain and the importance of energy and cell integrity um, and the functioning of the prefrontal cortex, people need to have that in their head before we really, you know, talk about um, the prefrontal cortex. And I, I, call, I also call it um, Goldilocks. <laughs> because <'Cause> everything <laughs> needs to be just right everything needs to be just so for the the prefrontal cortex. Ultimately, right? It needs the fuel. It needs the oxygen. It needs you you to be rid of distractions. Um, It needs you you to not be stressed out like you're seeing a bear or a snake, right? Um, But it needs just the That's the amount of uh, stress needed and adrenaline needed to be able to focus and operate at peak mental performance. So once it's out of balance, and there's a lot of reasons why it could be out of balance, um, it no longer functions. So um, if we do have chronic stress, okay, um, first of all, we need to understand that stress is bad stress. Let's just, (laughs) there's good stress and bad. We're focused on on bad stress that causes burnout. Okay. Um, it's really the perception of, of threat, right? Yeah. A perception of something is going, is going to hurt my person <laughs> or hurt somebody I love, or, you know, my ego or whatever, you know, uh, our perception is, um, for example, if two people are in a room and there's a snake yeah, if I love snakes, I'm not gonna perceive it as a uh, threat. I'm gonna be like, "Oh, what kind of snake is that?" You know. But if there's someone who's freaked out about snakes, you know, their amygdala, their threat brain is gonna be um, activated strongly, right? Um, and that amygdala is important to be able to assess threats for our survival, right? And that is below our prefrontal cortex, right? So that is uh, more ancient than our modern prefrontal cortices. And the reason why I'm bringing up the amygdala, it's a very important structure, but it, it's five times more sensitive than our reward part of the brain. So the amygdala is responsible for, you know, anger, fear, threat, those kind of like lower, stronger emotions. And we have more mental real estate for to assess threat, and that's just ancient, right? That's just so we can survive. We needed to know if is that a rabbit. Or a bear behind that bush. I need to know. <laughs> so, you know, in um, caveman times, you know, when we're developing our brains, that was very important. But now we're in modern times, so we have to really think about using our brains in a more modern way and um, assessing risk, right, in a more modern way and rewire our brains so that it's not as wired for threat. But the thing about the amygdala is that once it's activated and what, if it's constantly activated, it is literally stealing blood flow Mm. from your prefrontal cortex. Okay. And think about blood flow. What's in blood? All your nutrients.
0: (laughs) All the nutrients that you need for your brain to keep healthy and keep
1: growing and stay neuroplastic. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So your prefrontal cortex, it needs the glucose to make energy, to have cell to cell communication so you can think, make decisions and be logical and be creative, and all those different things, right? So if those, um, if the blood flow is reduced, all those cognitive abilities go down, okay? Your ability to ward off distractions go down, your focus goes down, and so once all, and you're also your ability to manage your emotions, right, or to stop things you shouldn't say, (laughs) those abilities go down. So guess what, all those other things go up. So now you're angrier, you have a shorter fuse, right? You're more likely to eat that chocolate cake over that apple, right?
0: Which means now you're getting worse nutrients for your brain, and then the cycle continues and the
1: cycle continues and the cycle continues. Absolutely. So your brain can't, there's no more neuroplasticity happening at the rate that it could be, right? In your prefrontal cortex, um, which is also um, necessary for learning, for your memory, um, for, you know, to establish those neural pathways for solution finding and all of that.
0: Can you tell people before you go on what neuro? I know I, I introduced that word earlier too, uh, but I didn't explain what it was. So can you take a second to tell people what neuroplasticity is?
1: Oh, absolutely. So if you just break up the word, right, neuro probably has something to do with the brain and plastic, plastic is malleable, right? So it's literally your brain cells being able to grow and stretch. It's kind of like, um, a tree, right? A tree um, that has branches and those branches can, even though the, the stalk of the tree stays in place, right? The the branches can keep growing and connecting and maybe touching other trees in the yard and all of that. So the neuro, neuroplastic part are the, the tree's ability to stretch and grow different branches. Neurons can grow and connect up to Uh, uh, one to 10,000, it can connect to one to 10,000 other neurons. So that means literally we have about 90 million miles of wiring in our brains. Okay. All right.
0: Did you, did everybody hear that 90 million miles of wiring that if we choose to do things like improve brain resilience and improve brain health, we can improve the condition of these roadways Right? That's what neuroplasticity says, that the brain can continue to change and grow even after adulthood, which is a massive change in the world of neuroscience in the past what, 30 years or so. Because Absolutely. it was thought to a very fairly recent time scientifically that you become 25 and that's when your ability to, to distinguish risk and understand, really understand risk is developed. And then after that point, you're done right right and and now we know that that's not true like we still have so much influence over the overall health of the brain as we continue to age and grow if we decide to learn and improve ourselves and take care of our brains etc etc etc
1: i like that i like how you said we have so much improvement that we can make i often say we have so much potential And I know it's, you know, cliche to say human potential. We all have human potential, but we literally have so much brain potential. As a matter of fact, when one neuron fires and connects with another, it's called an action potential. (laughs) So we literally have so much unused potential in our brains. And the only limitation, for um, our brains to keep growing is the the size and the the scope of our skull. skull. That's it. That's our only limitation. We have enough uh, wiring in our brain to stretch from where you're sitting, wherever you're sitting, in the car or at your desk, from where you're sitting to the sun. If we stretched all all your wiring wow. or wrap it around the earth four times, well, take your pick. But that's how much <laughs> wiring uh, you have or potentially have in your brain. So. So it's so important that we continue our growth because it, it allows our brains to be more dense, and have more density, so we can ward off those things that decrease our cognitive abilities, um, like you know dementia and all of that. So we want to make sure that um, you know we keep growing, we keep learning. As we're talking right now, your brain is growing. Neuroplasticity is happening right now, and it's really important for your um, your prefrontal cortex because that is the the most recent part of our brain, but also it's the most, the highly functioning part of our brain, right? It's the the separator between us and animals, (laughs) right? And it's our, I often say that, you know, being able to intentionally use our brains and build it, um, design it, is the next level of our human potential. It's the next level of how we are going to, transform and transcend this human experience Mm. i mean just Mm. think about all of the ancient i know we're kind of getting off of them that's okay that's okay i trust it (laughs) um we still have ancient problems that need to be resolved. And we're not gonna resolve it with burnt out brains, with stressed out brains, with prefrontal cortices that are not as advanced as possible. There's no reason why we should be dealing with pollution right now. There's no reason why we should be dealing with hunger and homelessness and racism and all of these ancient problems in modern times. That means we're still using our brains in ancient ways. It is time to learn as much as you can about the brain um, in a strategic way so that you're able to use it in a modern way to help change the world and move us to the next level in this human experience. And um, the prefrontal cortex is a, a great way to do that. But also the emotional brain or the limbic system, it's called as well, is very powerful. I mean, we need our amygdala. Um, We need to be able to assess fear and threats, of course, right? But we also need to have the the wherewithal to know if it's a bear or someone honking their horn at us. And emotions are very powerful. So another thing stress can do, um, it also reduces the volume of our hippocampus right Mm -hmm. So our hippocampus is also in that region of the limbic system or emotional brain and so the the hippocampus is responsible for our learning for our short-term memory it's the conduit between learning something and being able to store it into our long-term memory it's exhausting if we have to keep learning stuff you know (laughs) so the brain has found a way to learn it short-term, and then there's processes that need to take place for it to go into your storage system. But if your brain is stressed out, if it's con- constantly stressed, if it's burnt out, if it's fried, right, that, um, those processes are going to be reduced. Your hippocampus, hippocampal cells are hypersensitive to stress. That means you're going to deteriorate um, those, neural, uh, the, those neurons. And when neurons get too de- uh, deteriorated, they die off. Okay. Yeah. Cell and, this is
0: when we, and when, when you read research online and when you read articles that say your brain shrunk, that's what it means. You had neurons die off. Right. And neurons they can grow die. back is the important part. But that's what they, when, when you see headlines like that, what they're saying is you had neurons, cells of the brain that have died off gone through apoptosis, which is one of my favorite words, right? Gone through apoptosis, and then they're cleared out of your system because they're not being used or they're being overused improperly, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to go back to the amygdala and threat for a second, mm-hmm. because this, I think, especially this year, is so damn important. I use the something that I call the red backpack bully to explain to people what your brain can do and how you can have chronic stress without really realizing it. So the story goes like this, you were starting school, you were in kindergarten. And for the first week of kindergarten, there was a kid in your class who was wearing a red backpack. And every single time he saw you, he pushed you out of line and you got yelled at by the teacher. Mm -hmm. It stopped after two weeks because somebody caught on and somebody fixed the situation. However, Your brain, 30 years later, will see a red backpack down the street and start to have a stress response. And then you go home and you're irritable. Nothing bad happened in your day. You didn't even see the red backpack. Your eyes picked up the red backpack, but you didn't even see it. Mm -hmm. And you're still responding. So... I, I wanted to talk about that for a second because I want people to understand how they can be under chronic stress for such long periods of time and sort of know, sort of not know, you know, like they don't know what, that people are not always aware and it's not because they're not smart. Most of the people I work with are incredibly intelligent and right. incredibly ambitious. Right. But we have these, you know, big T or little T traumas that we experienced over
1: the course of our lives mm-hmm. that sit in our brains. Absolutely. So that is so, it's kind of complex. You know, I keep talking about this baseline brain. Yeah. Right. So if you were traumatized as a kid, if you experienced traum- trauma in the womb, you, you know, <laughs> your brain is going to be hypersensitive to stress. Right. And, you know, if if it wasn't, you know, taken care of. Mm-hmm. um over time if, if if you know if you didn't do the things or someone didn't come and um you know give you what you needed to support a more healthier brain, you're probably hypersensitive to stress that and trauma to the brain that was never dealt with. So right. um, since we operate at, you know, 80 to 90 percent under unconscious awareness right. <laughs> versus conscious awareness, we right. could be triggered in so many different ways and not not know but what stress does what chronic stress does it it's a teacher it teaches the brain what to do it teaches the brain to be hyper vigilant to be always on alert because brain cells are very sensitive to cortisol very sensitive to stress so over time the brain starts to say you know what we're getting a lot of stress and it's like every day I mean, it's not like once you're in a dark alley, you heard a noise, I'm stressed, I need to get out of here. If your brain is constantly bombarded with cortisol, it starts to get the message, you know what? We just need to just always be alert because something is always happening. So, and it's teaching your brain to always be on alert, um and you're and it's teaching your organs to always be on on alert right it's it's telling your sympathetic nervous system to say hey we we can't be digesting food (laughs) so that messes up your your digestive enzymes and then you don't don't get the nutrients and then the cycle continues and again we're with the cycle right and so what about your heart right now your brain is saying okay we need to be pumping we need to be pumping all the time because we're running from a bear every day all day (laughs) right so now what is that doing to your heart muscles right what is that doing to you know your heart strength and what is that doing to you know your your oxygen you know you you need oxygen But if you are not doing the things that keep your body oxygenated, your heartbeat is just beating (laughs) without really getting the supply of oxygen that it needs and it's doing its best. And that's where you get heart disease and all of that. So everything is
0: connected. So the feedback loop is not working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, my... This is an assumption of mine Mm -hmm. and feel free to correct it. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free (laughs) to correct it. I just don't know too many people that don't have some instance of trauma in their lives. I, I just don't know that many people whose brains have not been affected by some instance of a lack of safety or a lack of being able to be authentically who they were or whatever it happens to be. And on top of that, you know, this year we had a massive discussion around racism and you can, it's, we can talk racism, but I think all the isms together, I think it's important. That is like another constant threat. Mm -hmm. Maybe. That your brain has to go under. So I think, especially when we're talking about the brain and talking about burnout, we really need to address the fact that like white privilege matters. Like our brains are safer. Because there is less threat to us on a Mm day-to-day basis. That does not mean that we're not going to, I mean, I burnt out, you know, so it doesn't mean we're not going to burn out sometimes. But when we talk about the amygdala and threat, there's a million ways that it can come through. And I don't know too many people who are safe from it. And I know that there's huge pools of people
1: who have more to deal with. Absolutely. You know, I am a Black woman. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen me. And, and, there's, and you're absolutely right. There's endless things that are probably triggering the amygdala, right? So that's why it's so important to do, number one, to understand how significant stress on the brain is and all these cycles that we talked about, you know, the decrease in functioning mm. we're talking about that affects how you deal with the world, right? It's important to have that understanding, but it's also important to do the things that build up a resilient brain <laughs> so that you can have the insights on what to do in mm. moments when you are triggered, whether it's subconscious or conscious, right? you do know how to respond, you do know how to problem solve, find a solution, not fly off the handle. If your brain is not prepared, if it's not healthy, if it's not, if it hasn't built up the neural pathways of resilience, it's going to be hard to deal with anything that comes your way. You know, we can talk about stuff in isolation and it's important to do so because some of these things we have to bring to our yeah. awareness, like unconscious biases, right? Whether we're receiving it, observing it or doing it, everybody's brains is affected. That's a whole nother subject. Right. But there's, there's a lot of things people can do
0: yeah. to build up a resilient yeah,
1: yeah. brain. And some of these things will be taken care of. Like if we think about mindfulness or meditation We know in neuroscience that your your prefrontal cortex thickens. And what does that mean? Mm -hmm. That means you have more of of a way to pause so that you can be calm. You will be less judgmental. You'll be more thoughtful in the things you say. You consider other people's um, situations. You become more empathetic. You listen to people, right? You, You become an active listener. So that the person that's speaking feels heard. So, I mean, and then you start to build bridges like that. So there's a lot of things that we can do that's in our control, right? To help build a a stronger, resilient, empathetic, and compassionate brain. And all of these other things will start to fix themselves. It's like a ripple in the universe. The ripple starts (laughs) with you, people. Isn't that a beautiful thought? brain. The ripple starts with your brain. People understand. People have the strategies. They just don't understand what the strategies are really doing for their brain. That's the key. Okay.
0: All right. So the strategies. Top two. What are your two faves? Why
1: are you you limiting me to two? because because we
0: have can you if i don't know if you're going to believe this but we've been talking for nearly an hour already and i want to be conscious of the time that you gifted me today and not Absolutely. take advantage of well, more of it so so i'm i'm trying to be conscious for for us both and i feel like i could be having this conversation for the next 6 weeks but <laughs> usually i tell people another couple hours but this is the stuff that just really gets me going. I love this so much. And I'm so grateful for your knowledge and your time and your ability to put things in a way that is so accessible to people and so straightforward, so easy to understand. I think it's invaluable what you offer. Absolutely invaluable. So thank thank you. you, Thank you. Thank you. But if you did have to give somebody two two resilient brain building
1: Oh, my number one is sleep. Are you listening to that, everybody? Sleep. She said, Sleep. Oh my gosh. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going (laughs) to. Okay. Tell us. us. It's like a, a force multiplier. Okay. When your brain has enough sleep, it can do. All these things that we're talking about, you know, better decision making, being focused, having a longer fuse, um, not having your unconscious biases come out, right? Being more perceptive and considerate, making the right choices about food and whether you're going to go exercise um, because the brain is doing something totally different at night than in the daytime, okay? It, it, it should be. Or should be. Um, <laughs> it's built to do functions <laughs> that it's not able to do in the daytime when you're busy using it, right? You're you're making, you're yeah. learning, you're doing things, you're making decisions. It's creating a lot of metabolic waste. Um, so at night, little yeah. janitors come out, <laughs> right? <laughs> in, in the form of glial cells um, and start to clean up all the metabolic trash. It's kind of like when you, you know, cooking dinner, you have packages, you know, and unwrap the turkey or whatever, whatever. It's your it's your brain pee. It's your. <laughs> oh, we got some of that too. But just imagine, you know, if you go to an office building, right? You don't see a bunch of janitors all over the place all the time. Most of the time, they uh, the bulk of them come in the evening
0: yeah time, after right? hours.
1: So that's what happens in your brain. And if you don't get that gunk cleaned up between your eighty to hundred billion neurons, you decrease the transmission. You know there is a mm. lot of toxicity, oxidative stress that are is dis- disintegrating your neurons and your mitochondria, those powerhouses of the cell. Your brain has the most powerhouses or mitochondria of every any other organ, by the way. Um, so you you need that stuff to be cleaned up so that you can function and have attention and make d- better decisions and be more perceptive and be more intuitive and be more creative, you know, be more empathetic and compassionate. It, your sleep is linked to everything everything. That's why I would choose that as my number one. And most people need seven to nine hours of sleep to make this happen. And if you're trying to lose weight, you probably want to make sure you have seven to nine hours a night. That's a whole nother topic. But (laughs) people who sleep, get enough sleep, tend to lose the the, the weight um, that they need. Um, I would guess exercise. Mm-hmm. only because i'm really into exercise lately but there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of other um ways but
0: when you it. say exercise so now we have uh, all these factions in exercise right we have people that are obsessed with high intensity training we have people that are obsessed with kettlebells people that are like only running marathons and people that are you know only doing yin yoga because they, or, or qigong because they want
1: slow motion slow movement it doesn't matter It doesn't matter what exercise. The point of exercise is to help your brain to be more resilient, help your body to be more resilient, bring in that oxygen that's needed for your 80 to 100 billion brain cells so that your brain cells can be healthy and be more resilient and be able to transmit and talk to each other, communicate at 200 miles per hour. Um, And it increases your learning, your memory. It grows your hippocampus. It grows your prefrontal cortex, right? It helps to um, move that excess cortisol, if you are stressed out, out of your brain, out of your body. It removes toxins that are disintegrating your mitochondria and your neurons. So, exercise, if you think of it like that, that is supercharging your brain, it's managing your emotions, it's improving your memory, right? It's allowing you to be more creative and have insights. A lot of insights come when people are exercising because it's you're oxygenating that that right brain, right? That's important for creativity and insights. So exercise is also a force multiplier and when people exercise, they tend to eat better. So now you're yeah. fueling your brain for success. So sleep and exercise. If you change your perception about the power of sleep, about the power of exercise, and when you start to respect what it's really doing for your brain and your body and your success, you start to make sure you are more intentional about it.
0: Yeah. I love that so much. And the only thing that I had in the back of my mind that we did not get to, so I might have to invite you back after, after a couple of months is that another thing that they noticed in burnout is that there's a a lack of clear communication between the
1: hemispheres. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, well, you, when you consider stress being toxic for brain cells, you start, of course, there's not good communication. Exactly. You're breaking up that corpus callosum, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. stress is toxic. When it's chronic, it's deadly. Stress is what the number two, three killer, really. <laughs> we could- yeah, well, and they're saying now
0: seventy-five to ninety percent of doctors' visits are to stress related complaints, even if that's not what the patient thinks that they are necessarily. And by 2030, it's going to be up to 85 to 90 percent of deaths will
1: be caused by stress. So we we have a lot of work to do as humans. We have a lot of work to do. Because even the Gallup uh, Research Institute say, says yeah. that um, burnout is a crisis in organizations. A crisis. It, it is a crisis. It is a crisis, but,
0: it a crisis, but nobody can... really understands what it is. Every time I go and I give people the most basic information, they look at me like they're shocked.
1: Yes. So the thing about managing stress is that you do need a systematic way to learn yes. about what is stress and right. how. Why it's important? important, What what are the consequences, and how can I move Mm -hmm. out out of it? You can't learn that in a day. You can't learn it in two days. You have to go through a structured program. So that's why I love how you're a coach. You have a program. I have my programs, right? And I train other coaches and leaders to think how I think, so that they can you know have more transformation, better transformation in their clients and in their own lives as well, and organizations. So you you have to be intentional about learning about Stress. But I, I, I want to say be intentional about learning about your brain and body and stress will be a part of that conversation. And the, another beautiful thing about, you know, your coaching and programs is that you have accountability because exactly your way is not working, people, <laughs> to get rid of your stress. You have blind spots. There's stuff you don't know. And once you st- do start to um, implement some of these strategies and habits, you might drop drop off because your amygdala, right? Your amygdala yeah. amygdala doesn't want to do something new. It's like that's too much energy yeah. and changes a threat, right? Yeah. Yeah. Change is a threat. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just make sure you're intentional in getting accountability and really invest in your growth um, in, in your health and your success. And it starts in the brain.
0: Amen. I'm going to put all of the links to Shante's programs, especially the eight week program that you have for coaches and leaders, because I think that that's an extremely powerful one. Um, I'm going to be putting the links to all of Shante's wonderful information. In the show notes, as per usual, I'm not going to list them out for you because if you have a burnt out brain, you are not going to remember all the letters that I share and you, so you don't have to, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to make it very easy and Shante, thank you.
1: Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. I can talk about this stuff all day. It's So important, especially in this era. I mean, if there wasn't a time to know, understand this is the moment, This is the time to take it seriously, everyone. We need all brains, all healthy brains, minds and hearts on deck. We really, really
0: do. And listen, you guys, if you heard sleep and exercise and that felt overwhelming to you because you have a problem sleeping and you can't get into an exercise routine or something is going on, these are the moments that you go and ask for help. Acupuncture is an amazing tool for insomnia. You're having trouble sleeping, come see me in New York City, Or send me an email and let me know that you need some support wherever you are, and I will try and find somebody for you. I have worked literally all over the world, everywhere from San Diego to Boston to New York to Warsaw to Prague to Beijing and Shanghai, okay? I know a few people in a few places. If you need some support, I will try to find someone for you. And acupuncture is not the only tool. There's other options here. But the point is, if you're struggling in one of these two areas, get some help. Yes. Get some help because if you're not able to do it by yourself, that's okay. It's okay to need someone to hold space for you and help you create something that's gonna better your life for the long long term.
1: Agreed, well said.
0: All right, fried fans, thank you so much for being here. Please send all sorts of good vibes to Shantae today and around you out into the world, always very important. I'm so grateful for your ears and your hearts and your brains, especially your brains today. If you really loved this episode, which I'm pretty sure you did, I think you should share it with all of your friends, literally all of them. Feel free. And rate, review, and subscribe, as always. All right, until next time